I'm glad that I'm able to finally say these words because it's appropriate. It's now the time. As Austin Seeger said, it is finally time. Merry Christmas, True North! We are all on the same page. We're all celebrating. We're on the same team. There is no more division. We are all now celebrating and thankful for the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But as you know, as I fought hard this November to show you that I do not like to skip over Thanksgiving. And if you don't know this, I do, I do love Christmas. I, I do want to listen to the music. I do want to go to Starbucks and get the sp- pumpkin spice latte with that you know, cute little green or red cup that's Christmas decorated. But I know I'm not going to skip over Thanksgiving because I want to make sure I'm thankful for the things that I have. And I'll be patient and wait for Christmas season to come. However, this Thanksgiving was a little, I would say a little more special because my wife and I, as we learned, that we were just thankful to be alive. That might seem dramatic, but for those who were up early on Thursday morning, you realize God, we were starting to question, did God decide to judge Southern California? Because all of a sudden the heavens poured. It rained hard. It wasn't just like a normal little rain. It was dumpage. And the thing is, my wife and I had to drive up to a, a, a town or city in, in, in just above Santa Barbara called Santa Inez. If you have no idea where that is, you, it's just an hour north of Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara. And if you have no idea where Santa Barbara is, just Google Maps it. But you'll see it's about three, three and a half hour drive without traffic. And of course, being you know Thanksgiving Day, of course, there's traffic. And of course, being a downpour, there's plenty of accidents and plenty of traffic. But as we entered the five freeway going north... I, we were both fearful for our lives. I'm not going to lie. I could barely see 10 feet in front of me. I was going 40 miles an hour. I'm normally a driver that doesn't care about the rain. I'm like, I have an all-wheel drive Subaru. I got brand new tires. I can zigzag through these people, no problem. But for some reason, there's no drainage on the freeway. And all of a sudden, we're driving through an ocean. And I felt like I was hydroplaning every five seconds. And I'm like, okay, I have to give everything I have to focus on this road so that my wife and I don't die on the way to Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving dinner all the way up to visit her family. But thankfully, by God's grace, he showed mercy to us and we were able to arrive safely to our family. And we were able to tell and share the story with joy that, hey, we're alive, we're here. Guess what we went through? Because we recognized that we were rescued. I mean, given it wasn't my driving ability, is God's sovereign grace to allow us to get to Santa Inez safely. Because a rescued person who's been rescued from a, a frightening reality just naturally wants to tell others about it. This is not the first time I've been telling others about the crazy driving situation I had for at least two hours on the road for the first two hours, and then it thankfully broke in LA and it was clear, but then right after LA just downpoured again for the next hour. Because I know that I have been rescued. And as we're going to see in Isaiah 12 is that this, this remnant of Israel that's going to be called back is recognized that they are rescued. They're rescued from the wrath of God. They're rescued and able to enter his, his millennial kingdom that we learned about this summer. And what they learn in Isaiah 12 is this principle that we're going to, we, we should endlessly proclaim to the world our confidence in God's undeserved mercy. So please turn to Isaiah 12 with me and to your paper Bibles, onto your phone. What we're going to learn is how to endlessly proclaim to the world the undeserved mercy that we have because we're going to recognize that we have been delivered 
just like this remnant that Isaiah 11 is talking about. Isaiah 11 and 12 is one flowing thought. It's one flowing thought that talks about, like we learned about in Summer Revival, the, the millennial kingdom. It's the thousand-year reign of, of Jesus Christ and his coming. It talks about the root of Jesse, the Messiah that's going to come, that we see that Christ did come. We're gonna see, and then we're going to see that he's going to come out a second time and call back a remnant of the, of the Jewish people that are scattered all over the world and say, now you're going to come back into saving faith. And as a result, it's not going to be Israel that gets to inhabit the millennial kingdom, but it's also going to be us as well. But regardless of the millennial kingdom, if we recognize that we have been delivered, we have repented, and we have placed our trust in Christ, in that day, we're naturally going to thank God for that. Like it says in verse 1 of Isaiah 12, you will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. And with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say on that day as you drink from the wells of salvation, you will say, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, O inhabitant of true north, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. In the day of our deliverance, when we showed up to the house, we told everybody what we went through. And we rejoiced greatly, hey, we're glad just to be alive, not just to be thankful for the things that God has given us this year. But on the day of our deliverance with a capital D, the deliverance of our souls from God's wrath because we're placing our faith and trust in him, we should be confidently telling others about it. Like verse one, where does he get this confidence? Because in that day of the salvation, they're going to be thanking him. They're going to thank God, although you were angry with me. They're drawing the confidence from God because of his current mercy as Pastor PJ preached about this Sunday morning and last night. In the day of our salvation, we're going to naturally want to thank God. But why? But why are we thanking God for what? It talks about this in the second half of verse 1, that though you were angry with me. That's the bad news. This, what this writer, what Isaiah understands, what these people will understand is that God was angry at them. God was angry at them for their sin. God doesn't just hate the sin, he also hates the sinner. Psalm 5 and Psalm 11 clearly talks about God hates the evildoer. God hates the wicked. God hates those who love violence. And the bad news is this, is that we are all evildoers. Merry Christmas. But we all are all evildoers. We all are enemies of God. Because even though God is our creator, he is this holy and wonderful God, he's still a just God. And as we rebel, he will give us an exact punishment for the actions and sins that we deliberately commit. But the thing is, the story doesn't just end there. Because the next few words, it says, you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might come for me. God is love. 
He loved us so much that while we were enemies, our sins separated from us, uh, separated us from him. Because we deserved the punishment, he still loved us. Despite that, he came down himself. Christ, God, lived and died as our substitute. He rose for the dead, from the dead for us so that we can be comforted, so that we can be made right. And he's calling out to all of us to trust him, to trust and put our faith in him, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection, and to reject and repent from our sins because he is so loving, because he's turning his anger away. Like Pastor Ross said, this is the reality of the situation. If we truly understood what reality is, is that God is angry at sin, and at our first sin, we should be wiped out and cast into hell right away. But God is patient. He doesn't want people to perish. He wants them to come to repentance. So that's why he's so patient It's not he doesn't exist. He's giving us patience so that we can repent, that we can be made right with him so that he might be able to comfort us. And as a result, since we understand this person understands the mercy of God, we understand the mercy of God, we can boldly proclaim, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust. I will not be afraid. I was terrified driving up north on the freeway Thursday morning. Some of you might be terrified. I mean, if you're seniors, you're maybe terrified of college. For your freshmen, you're terrified just to get to sophomore year. You're terrified to go back to school tomorrow. Sorry to break the news to most of you. But we don't have to be because we can understand the mercy that God is offering, that we can accept. Because his mercy is so great, we can have confidence in our future. So point number one, True North, place our confidence in his mercy. Place our confidence in our mercy. As you all know, I'm a big sports fan. My teams tend to not do well, so I don't really put, place my trust in them. But there are people, fan, I, I've heard, is short for fanatic. And there's an organization, I'm sorry, Dan Blankenship, but the Cowboy fans are the most fanatic, delusional fan base I, I know. Every year they're going to win the Super Bowl. Every year, this year, they're going to win. They're going to win every game. But every year, ever since 1996, they have lost <laughs> and made the playoffs and then exit the playoffs. But they're not, they're not the only ones that place their trust in something that is so hopeless. All of us have place our trust in things that are hopeless. Many of you, just because you want to create a big blanket of security, you're applying to 20 different colleges. Some of you have just given up. Like, you know, I'm just going to go saddleback. I'm just going to skip all this because, you know what, I'm not confident in myself at all. I'm just going to do that. Because we're, we, we constantly place our confidence in things that are temporary, fickle, and don't hold anything. But instead, we can have confidence because of God's mercy. So what does it mean? How can, what does it mean for us to have confidence in his mercy? Is that we can find comfort in his mercy. We can find comfort because we can understand the bad news. That we deserve God's wrath. We deserve God's punishment. You know, Mr. Cox is a, is a teacher at Elisa Niguel High School. If we cheated on his test and, one of it, and tried to and, uh, plagiarize one of our essays to turn into his English class, we know that we de- deserve the F. But we hope to have God's mercy. Sometimes I think, sometimes we expect to, to earn, to get God's mercy when we don't deserve it. But if we are in his word, if we're studying his word, if we're meditating on his word daily, 
Not just reading it as just DBR as a checklist, but we're daily reading our Bibles, meditating, understanding it, asking God for insight. We can understand with clarity the great mercy he's offered before his son, also the great mercy that he's offered by his son, that he's on the cross in our place. So we can find comfort that, you know, you know what? God didn't spare his own son why would he give all things to me now? And that, it's not just a prosperity thing, like all things like the college education I want, health and wealth. No, all things like peace beyond understanding in the moment and chaos. Confidence in your future knowing that I don't know where we might go to college. I don't know if I'll pass this class. But you know what? I know one thing. I have placed my faith and trust in Christ and his mercy and I've repented for my sins. I know, no, I know this for a fact. I'm made right with God. And you know what? I have an eternity that I get to look forward to and I can take comfort. So true north, don't take comfort in the things of this life. Don't try to find comfort in your friends. Don't try to compromise to earn friendships. Don't try to compromise, but you know what? I want, to, I want some friends. I want some fellowship. So I know this group of friends, they like to cuss and they like to say all these crude joking. So I want to join in that just to make sure I have confidence. I have a, at least a friendship. Or we sometimes place our confidence in relationships. And maybe we compromise in relationships. You know what? Maybe she's not, she's not seeking the Lord. Maybe he's not seeking the Lord as hard as that he should or she should. But I want someone to return some love back to me. There's no confidence that the person is going to reciprocate the love that you just desperately want. Your friends might not reciprocate the fellowship that you desperately want, but God is offering already. He already played his card. He already showed his love for us that we, while we were enemies, he died for us so that we can actually have confidence in the relationship that we can have with him. But in order to understand that true north, we need to make sure that we're actually in his word, that we're actually praying to him and they're actually fellowshipping with brothers and sisters with a purpose, more than just talking about Fortnite, more than just talking about why is Evan such a Scrooge about Christmas. No, we can encourage one another. Encouraging one another is, hey, you know what? We are, if you have repented and placed your faith in Christ, you know what? At least you have an eternity with God. You have something to look forward to that no one can take away. And as a result, if we place our confidence in his mercy, we can live life and plan life confidently because of his mercy. We don't have to put our identity in what college we go to. We don't have to put our identity in what our, our grades look like. We don't have to put our identity on how many Instagram followers or TikTok followers you have. We don't have to place your confidence if you win or lose in your sport or if you pass or fail in that class. Yes, God wants us to do all things to, for his glory, to do our absolute best, but we don't have to have our identity or confidence in that. Instead, we can have a confidence in his mercy because that is reality. He's being patient towards the world so that enough people get saved. So when he returns, we can enter his kingdom forever. So true north, don't fear failure. Yes, apply to the best colleges, but again, for his glory. Try to study hard for that test to get the best grade you can, but not for your own glory, but for his Apply to the right colleges that you think he would help you grow the most. Plan life confidently, but according to his mercy. And as you learn more about his mercy and more confident you can be, you can re recognize that you can joyfully, joyfully 
drink from the well of salvation. You can joyfully repent. You can joyfully trust in Christ's salvation. You can joyfully have eternal life. Like verse 3 in chapter 12 says, With joy you will draw from the water from the wells of salvation. You will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord because I've been saved. I understand the mercy. He, was, he is angry with me. He should be angry with me. But he's postponing his anger to comfort me. And I would naturally want to give thanks to him. And naturally, I want to make people uh, know about his deeds. I want, to, I want to proclaim his name exalted. God wants to quench your thirst. Everyone has a thirst. We do things because we're, we're thirsty. We want to find satisfaction in this life. And God wants to quench it with something. If you drink of his, the well of salvation, you'll never thirst of the, the things of this world again. You'll naturally want to give thanks to the world because you've been rescued. This well salvation, this is written to people who live in a desert. Maybe we're at Disneyland and we're, it's just dumping rain. We'll be, we'll be thankful just to find some covering, some, some dry covering that we don't have to shiver and get pneumonia because we're at Disneyland all day tomorrow in the rain. Yay! But instead, we can be grateful for the salvation that God offers. And if you understand the salvation that God offers, how could we hide our gratitude? If Pastor Rod decides, you know what, True North, I'm going to pay for all your tickets to Christmas at the Disney on my credit card. How could we not be grateful to him? He's not going to do that, by the way. I'm sorry. But if he did, how could we not show our gratitude for him? So True North, second point, be known for your thanksgiving. Be known for your thanksgiving. You, there's people in your life that are known for their thanksgiving. They're constantly the happy person, the thankful person, the grateful person. They can be a Christian or non-Christian. I know one in my life. He currently coaches at San Juan Hills High School. He's a receivers coach. And congratulations, San Juan Hills. You won CIF football for the first time ever, so congrats to you. But this guy, his name is Rocky Brown. If you've heard my testimony enough, he was instrumental in my own salvation, because I saw a man who lived out his faith, who was constantly thankful for the salvation that he had, that he couldn't help but thank God for everything. It sometimes drives me crazy that I can never give him a compliment because it instantly just turned the tables and say, well, praise God for that. Hey, coach, hey, congratulations for that win. I'm so proud of you. Hey, you know, praise God. It's all for his glory. Hey, coach, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm really glad. I'm super bummed that you guys lost. You know what? Praise God. You know, I'm super thankful that we lost because our guys learned something. Praise God. Hey, I heard your, 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 your kid is sick. You know what? Praise God that my child is still alive. I'm like, who are you, Rocky? Just let me give you a compliment. Oh, here, thanks, thanks for the pizza. You know what? Praise God that I was able to buy this pizza. I'm like, okay, dude, I know, I get it. But it's something that, as a non-Christian, I look towards and I, I want that. And about four years later, I actually did get that. And to this day, he's the most thankful person I know. I mean, he coached at San Clemente when I was there. He coached at Dana, uh, Dana Hills when I was there. He coached at Elite, oh, no, I wasn't there, sorry. He coached at San Clemente. He coached at Dana to Liso, back to Dana, now at San Juan, and wherever he goes, he leaves a trail. He leaves people impacted. Either the people like myself, impacted, actually repent and place my trust in Christ, or people who go, I never understood why he was so thankful. He was constantly praising God. He was so constantly thankful. Because being thankful is more than that robotic response when you know, the waitress or waiter comes and fills your water at the restaurant. Oh, thank you so much. Or it's more than like what your parents taught you when you were a kid. Or if you're part of kids, man, you understand this. You, know, you, you, know, you give something to a kid and the parent stops them and says, hey, make sure you say thank you. you know, 
Thank you, Mr. Daniel. And it's like, that wasn't genuine. But you're still thankful that the parent made, you know, is teaching them to be thankful. Being thankful is being more than just having this robotic response of like, thank you for giving me that. Thank you for Pastor Rod for funny announcements. Thank you, True North, for making Christmas at the Disney special this year because we're going to California Adventure as well. No, it's, it's more than that. It's being humble and boasting in God instead. You're known for your thanksgiving because you're fully satisfied in, the God, in God's salvation that he provides. But again, how can you be thankful for the salvation that God provides if you're not reading your Bible? If you're not daily intaking his word, if you're not daily allowing his word to understand the then, what the, what the context is, if you're not understanding the now, what principle applies always, but if you're not, oh sorry, you're not applying it always, but you're not applying it now. What is God telling me through his word for me to do now? Right now, God's word is telling you to be thankful for the salvation he's offered. Firstly, by accepting it, by repenting, by rejecting the sin that you have in your life and finding it less and then finding God's salvation greater and trusting in Christ. That's the first way to be thankful. But everything that you have, all the good that you have is being boastful, knowing that God has provided everything. And he's quenched the thirst that you desperately have. Maybe it's something that you don't know you, you're thirsty for. But every one of us, we, 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 we're thirsty. You know, we drink water, but we're not satisfied. We're thirsty again. And no matter how many donuts you eat back there, I'll be hungry again, no matter how full I get. I'm still hungry from Thanksgiving. No matter how many shots of alcohol you take, you're going to want more. No how many people you sleep with, you're going to want more. No matter how many boyfriends or girlfriends you have, you're still going to want more. And that's what John 4 talks about. When Christ approaches this woman at the well, she was thirsty and she thought that sex could fill it. She had four husbands and the fifth guy she was with wasn't even her husband. But God says, you know what? I offer, if, if you, whoever drinks of the water that I will give them, you'll never be thirsty again. Because every one of us inherently thirsts for two things, a relationship with God and eternal life. I mean, the eternal life is easy to prove, right? People are freezing their brains and freezing their bodies so that they can like, be unfrozen 100 years later and hopefully be able to live in 2120. Some of us eat healthy. Some of us go vegan. Some of us go vegetarian. Some of us do paleo so that we can live as long as possible because we know that death is bad. It's not a part of life. Death is the opposite of life. We know that inherently that we want to live forever. And that, that's what God is offering. And inherently, we want a relationship with God. Even the most militant atheists, the most people who are anti-God that exists at one point in their life desperately wanted a relationship with him. They sought him out. And to their conclusion, they didn't find him because they weren't willing to surrender. Be known for your thanksgiving because you're satisfied by the salvation that God is offering. and It'll quench your thirst. And then if you drink of his salvation, you'll never be thirsty again. God wants to remove the aching desires by pouring out his spirit to you. So, true north, accept it. Reject your priorities and, and gladly put on God's. If you are a Christian, as obedient children, don't go back to the well that you used to drink out of. Don't go back and to be conformed to the, of the patterns of your for, former ignorance, but instead be holy, for God is holy. You'll be tempted as, when you repent and place your faith in Christ. You're going to be tempted to want to go back to the things that sat, once satisfied you. 
But that's why you need to be in your Bible daily. That's why you need to be praying daily. That's why you need to be fellowshipping, fellowshipping constantly with your leader, with your small group, with brothers and sisters who can encourage you not to go back to the well which you drank. Instead, being fully satisfied with what God is giving you now. And as a result as being satisfied in the salvation that God offers, as a result of rejecting the priorities that you are being going to be tempted with, you abundantly thank God for the abundance that he gives. I mean, Pastor PJ, I couldn't believe it, gave us 33 points in his last sermon. 33 points of the things that God has given us. Our salvation, a relationship with him again, paying for our sins that we committed, and, and so on and so forth. And as a result, again, as we study his word, the more that we pray, the more that we fellowship, the more that we understand what God has given us, we can't help it but to be thankful. But in order to be thankful, we have to do something that currently in your life, people aren't really telling you to do. Maybe some are, and maybe listen to them. What I'm telling you now is to slow down. Slow down and take account for what God has given you. Take an hour today. Take two hours today. Take a half an hour today and slow down and see what has God given me. Because if you don't slow down and stop and ask and see what God has given you, you're never going to see it. You're just going to fly by and then you're going to continue to be stressed. You're going to continue to fly through your life confused, stressed out, anxious. But if you slow down and see what God has given you, you'll see everything. From the donuts in the back, from the clothing you're wearing to the breath that you're breathing. If you, don't, if you don't slow down, you won't see the beauty around you. I mean, who's seen the beautiful snow-capped Saddleback Mountain? It's gorgeous. Maybe in the distance, you can see, because of the rain is clear to all the smog, you can see in the back the San Bernardino Mountain Range, and it's a snow-capped. Like, man, I can't wait for Revival Winter Edition and, and shredding that gnar. Yeah, I just said that. But if you don't slow down and see what God has given you, you'll never be known as a thankful person. So True North, today, slow down. Put down the social media. Put down the homework. Put down your planning your future. Put aside the relationship for a little bit and spend time with the relationship you need to spend the most time, which is a relationship with God. Are you making the time to read your Bible? Are you making the time to study, um, to pray? Are you making time to fellowship or is everything piling up and distracting you, pulling you away? Slow down and see so that you can be known as a thankful person because once you're known as a thankful person, you you won't be able to shut up in a good way because as as a result, as it says in Isaiah 12, in verse 4, the second half of that, if you are known as a thankful person, you'll make known the deeds among the peoples. You'll proclaim that his name is exalted. You'll naturally want to sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. You'll naturally want to make known all of this to the world, to all the earth. You'll naturally want to shout. You'll want to sing for joy, because you'll recognize that God is in your midst. We got to let the world know we got to let the world know how thankful for we are for the salvation that God offers. we got to let be thankful. So we can't skip over Thanksgiving, True North. We can't just skip over Thanksgiving into Christmas, the season. We have to make sure we're constantly, daily thankful. It's more than just Thanksgiving holiday. It's a constantly, it's a daily thing that we have to be adamant about. So, True North, point number three. 
unashamedly share your thanksgiving with the world. Unashamedly share your thanksgiving to the world. Or as I have to put it, we got to get off the couch and we got to go tell the world. Some of us like, oh, I like, to, I like to be a thankful person. I just kind of hold it and live it out myself. I know you got to use your words and share with people what you're thankful for. As soon as I walked through the front door of, my, of, my, of Candace's aunt and uncle's home, we were just like, wow, we're just thankful to be here. We told everyone over and over about how the, horrible the rain was and how the traffic was terrible. We almost died. I mean, at least, there was probably at least 20 different accidents on the way there. Cars turned around, fire trucks on the side of the road because another car was, you know, hydroplane and lost control. We were thankful just to be alive. Rocky, my coach, this man who's constantly thankful, is not ashamed to tell anybody. doesn't matter if it's, if it's boss, if it's the head coach who's probably not a Christian, if it's his players. He's not afraid to be thankful in front of others. So True North, don't be ashamed to be thankful in front of others. But Pastor Ron, myself, your leaders are here to help you with that. If you're afraid, if you're ashamed, let us train you. Let's train you up. So the more you understand, the more that you can be confident to share. Don't be trained aimlessly. Paul instead says in 1 Corinthians 9 to not work out or train aimlessly, but have a purpose. Many of you like to run cross, cross country. Many of you do cross country. I still question why. I hate running. It's terrible, but some of you enjoy that, so blessings to you. But as you practice, if any of you have done a sport or done a theater or have played instruments, you know that you have to practice with purpose in order to perform. So if you want to be able to unashamedly share your faith with someone, to share your thanksgiving with someone who doesn't know God, you have to get trained up. Talk to your small group leader. Ask them. Ask them to help you, to disciple you. All of you in this room, I can't say should, or not should, I can't make you do it, but all of you in this room should go through partners. At one point in your high school career, go through partners. Talk and bug your leader saying, I want to go through partners with you now. I want to be trained up. I want to know how to share my testimony. I want to know how to read my Bible better. I want to know how to pray. I want to know how to serve the church. I want to know my faith better so I can be more confident to talk to people about it. I don't want to be afraid. Talk to your small group leader. Do partners. Join student ministers. Allow Pastor Ron, allow myself to train you further. And be active on your campus, regardless if there's a club or not. If there's no club, be active. Start one. Get one started. If, you, if you're part of homeschool, you can still reach out to those people that you meet on Mondays and Wednesdays. Try to invite them all. If you have them all there, okay, try to get more. If you have your private schools, get those people here. Be active on your campus because we have a job to do. As much as I do not like this NFL team, this professional football team, I still respect them because all they do is win and it's annoying. Every time I'm like, the team has a chance, they go up 20 to 3 in the Super Bowl and they lose to the New England Patriots and it drives me crazy. But the New England Patriots have this motto and as a result for the last 20 years, this is the greatest dynasty the NFL has ever seen. I'm, I'm going to say it. It's the greatest one for 20 years. They've made nine championship games and won six of them. No team has ever done that. But they live by this phrase. They do not have the fancy running backs. They don't pay the, the best players. They have a bunch of scrubs and they keep winning because they live by this phrase. They say, do your job. 
True North, I want to see this ministry great. I want to see this ministry be the greatest, not for our publicity, publicity, but for God's honor. It's True North, it's time to do our job. And we have a job. And guess what? It's not voluntary. It's actually mandatory. Because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Christ. And he, he told his disciples this commandment, a command that's been passed on to us. It says for us to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And to teach them to observe all that he has commanded us. We're called to make disciples. We have to do it. It's something that is mandatory to do. But this is something that doesn't have to be just a job. Pastor Mike preached on this a few weeks ago. It's that this, our evangelism, our discipleship making, meeting with people, constantly helping them understand the word, trying to make disciples, trying to help convert people. Yes, we know that God is the one that saves, but he uses us to do so. So as you get trained up, as you, as you pray for this, it doesn't have to be a job, but rather it can be a joy. Because again, you're just sharing why you're thankful to God. You're sharing your love to God. That's so easy. Many of us already share our passion for Christmas and why we celebrate it all year long. You buy your Christmas tree in July. I'm passionate and saying, no, you gotta wait till after Thanksgiving, Black Friday. Why are we more passionate about that rather than passionate to seeing people saved? Let's do our job. Let's make it not just a job, but a joy. From a duty, but instead to a delight. From pain, but to privilege. And then that we got to do this, but that we get to do this. We get to see people saved. We get to see, go reach our campuses for Christ. We get to see your neighborhood and your family saved because we are boldly, shame, unashamedly sharing our thanksgiving to God. And just to train you up, we can start with this. We can start with Christmas at the Disney. We can start with revival. The ushers are now going to pass out flyers to either revival winter edition or to Christmas at the Disney. Now I want to see this flyer. I want you to pray for this flyer. Pray for the person that you're going to hand it to this week or even today. There's someone that you know that would go to Disneyland with you all day. You know that's someone that wants to that sees those mountains and wants to shred that gnar or just to be up there because it's the mountains and it's beautiful and like me. I don't shred nar. I'm terrible at it. But think about that person today. Pray for them and give it to them this week, True North. This week, give that fire to them. But again, you have to pray first. Pray for the boldness to share and pray for you to see God's healing hand. No matter how hard it is, no matter how hard your school is trying to resist us from allowing to put up posters of, hey, come to this room for a club meeting. No matter how hard uh, your friends might ridicule you because you are a Christian. In Acts 4, the early church prayed for boldness, even though they're getting death threats, even though they're getting persecuted. They prayed for boldness to preach the word constantly and to see God's healing hand move in these people's hearts because only God can save. But we got to be faithful to do our job. So make sure you're praying before you speak. Pray while you're speaking and pray after you speak, fully relying on God to move in this person's heart. But you can do so with confidence because in verse six in Isaiah 12, it talks about how great in the midst of Israel is the Holy One, God. 
great in the midst of us, true north, that we have God in us. If you have repented, if you have put your trust in Christ, you have God in you. And you can be confident to approach anyone, to share your faith to anyone, to share your thanksgiving to anyone because you know that God is in you. He has your back. And not only that, Christ told his disciples as he was telling them in their future, saying, hey, when people deliver you to the authorities, don't be anxious about what you're going to say. For it's not, it's not you who speaks, but it's the spirit who I'll give to you. In that hour, I'll be able to speak through you. In the hour that you open your mouth to a person and to invite them to Christmas at the Disney, to Revival Winter Edition, or just to be thankful and to share the gospel, know that it's not you who are speaking, but God, if you're going to trust him to do that. So again, invite someone today or this week. That is a command from your high school director. Invite someone this week that doesn't go to this church, by the way, so you can't just invite the person next to you. You can't cop out like that. Invite someone that doesn't go to this church to come to Christmas at the Disney and to Revival Winter Edition for the purpose not to grow our numbers for the numbers' sake, but to grow our numbers and people who are brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray for the salvation. Pray for the boldness to share the opportunity to share that gospel to see them saved. Candace and I were the only ones that told the, the household when we walked in Thanksgiving Day about what we went through. Everybody had stories. Her parents, her cousins, her other aunt and uncle, everyone went through chaos. Everyone drove through that rain. Everyone sat in the same traffic that we sat in. But everyone was thankful. Everyone was grateful to be there. For me, I, yeah, I was grateful to be alive. But I was grateful just to be there. And we were constantly just sharing our thanksgiving to God, not just for just being there, but the things that he's given us this year. From, for me, just having this new job. For my uncle, for having health since he broke his ribs earlier a few months ago. For, our, uh, for Candace's cousins, for they're, they're pregnant again with a third child. But we were constantly thanking God for all these things. But if we skipped over that, Ray wouldn't have heard that. Now, this isn't Ray from Star Wars. This is one of uh, Candace's cousin's friends from school. He never celebrated Thanksgiving before. His family never did it, given he's from China, so they don't really do that out there. So that makes sense why he never celebrated Thanksgiving. But JJ, Candace's cousin, decided to invite Ray over to the Thanksgiving. And from all day to that night, he heard our Thanksgiving he heard us being thankful to God for all the things he's given us, including the salvation that we have. And at dinner, when we're going around saying, hey, what we were thankful for that God has given us, he was thankful to be there. And he's he telling us how he, in, awe, in awe he was, in, in awe he was to see how grateful we were, why we even have this holiday. And this is something that he wants to bring back home to his family. To show like, wow, these people were so grateful. They, they dedicated a whole day to be thankful so don't skip over Thanksgiving to your north. Don't skip over the Thanksgiving that you should have for the salvation that God is offering, the mercy that he's handing out to you. Because you never know who's listening. You never know who's going to hear because you're just this thankful person for the salvation that you don't deserve. So true north, endlessly proclaim to the world your confidence in God's 
undeserved mercy. Start today. Please pray with me and you'll be dismissed.